great to uh, be together. Um, just appreciate all that uh, the worship team does, and uh, especially Carl. Um, he is t- he's talked to me in the beginning of this, the year about we need to have more fun in the church. And I was like, amen. You know, no one's going to be uh, fighting you on that one. And, uh, and so he really wants t- uh, to have everyone there, if possible, and I do too, uh, at the Ball of the Beautiful. We're going to be doing it April 29th, uh, which is a Friday. We're also going to provide... Um, March 29th. Wow, I'm really doing good on dates today, huh? I'm doing great on dates today. Just help me out now, church. March 29th, uh, we're going to be doing a Ball of Beautiful, and, and we're also going to be hopefully providing a place for the kiddos to go as well, so we can all come and be a part of this and have fun and love each other and uh, you know have a chance to be uh, able to have a little fun. We're also going to be playing a karaoke. You ready for it, Chris? You ready, bro? Eye of the Tiger Part 2. Um, and uh, we're, we're going to continue to talk about this. And, and really, it's important. These, these are memory-building times. Amen? So I'm excited about that. Uh, let's turn our Bibles to the book of Haggai. Haggai. And if you need a little help, go to the table of contents. But there's something that helps me a little bit. It's between Zephaniah and Zechariah. Haggai. Zephaniah, Zechariah, in the middle is Haggai. Okay, guys? And uh, we're going to be looking at this very small book, but it's super powerful. Amen? Uh, it's the, next to Obadiah, it is the smallest Old Testament book in the, in the Bible. And yet, what I'm learning is you can have an impact with few words. Come on, preacher. Brevity can be more powerful. But Haggai was, was very brief in what he said, but it was very powerful. And I believe it's applicable today in our nation and in our, in our church. Amen? And uh, so let's say a prayer, and then we'll jump in. Father, we are so thankful, God, that you've changed us, God, that you have transformed us, God, and that, Lord, you uh, have written uh, our names in the book of life, God. Lord, we know for... Generations and generations, your people have been called back to, to, to prioritize you, Lord, and to prioritize building your house, God. We run after so many other things, Lord. This world uh, tries to charm us, God, with so many things, God, and to busy ourselves with, Lord. And, and some of them are, and most of them are very good, Lord, but we don't want to neglect your house, God. We don't want to neglect your kingdom. We don't want to neglect your church, Greta. As we talk about, this is my church. Lord, I just didn't know we could skip by Haggai and what he had to say about this. Because I believe it's one of the most applicable um, prophecies, God, uh, to us today. I pray that it would come to bear in our life, God. That we would give careful thought to our ways, God. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, as we kind of continue with this is my church, let's say it together, guys. This is my church. This isn't just your church. This is my church. Amen. Amen. And um, let me ask you a question. What if you led the church? Oh, 
What if you led the church? What if you led the church? And, and I'm, I'm talking to the sisters as well because, you know, uh, you're a leader. Women are leaders, amen, in the kingdom of God. And you led the, the, the women in the church. And what if the direction and spiritual direction was, was really, people were looking at you going, okay, what are we going to do, Lourdes? What, what do you, Chris, what are we preaching this Sunday? Mario, what's going on with the worship? You know, uh, Charlie, the teaching ministry. You know, John, you know, what are we going to be doing for potlucks, bro? <laughs> He's already on that, amen? He's like, talk to my wife. She's on it. But, you know, thinking about this, and, you know, the truth is it is your church. You do lead it. You do lead it. There's not one leader of this church. Uh, you know, who leads this church? Oh, Glenn and Danielle do. That is somewhat true, but it's biblically not. It's not true. I don't lead this church. Amen? Jesus leads it, and we together lead it. There's not one person that can lead a church. It's all of our church. And um, we spoke about the kingdom and how Jesus was the first one to say, I will build my church. He was the first one to own the church. Amen. Amen. He, He laid down his life for the church. And then he also entrusted us and entrusted Peter at first with this church, this bride. Amen. And it's kind of funny to say this is my church because in many ways, as we talked about, we are the church. So to not own ourselves is, is kind of funny, isn't it? We have to own ourselves. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. And then uh, Jesse did a great job with Ephesians 2 through 4. Talking about stepping up. I was sick. I gave him two days to prepare. And he got up and preached the word powerfully. Ephesians 2 through 4. Um, and just speaking about how the church is one of the most amazing, strange places. <laughs> In, in the history of mankind, there's no place like the church, amen? Just like, you know, there's no place like home. There's no place like the church. There's no place like the church. And we know that, right? As we look around, we see there's no place like the church where there's so much diversity and so much that we don't have in common. But the greatest thing we have in common is what brings us together. Amen. And then we talked about whose side you're fighting on. Uh, and we had a great Super Bowl Sunday. Amen. Amen. That was really awesome. And I really appreciate I do want to talk, and Justin's going to hate me. But thank you, bro, for cooking for us for hours. Thank you, guys. Really. So, so good. I even think about your brisket sometimes. Just, I'm, I'm daydreaming about it, even now. Just the brisket and, and, and just how good it was. and. Oh, you know, and, and I was trying to steal some home, you know, take some home, but it was all gone. And, amen. And then some people were like, I didn't know it was outside. And I was like, oh, no. Sorry. That's why there was so much brisket. Okay. But um, it was great to talk about the fact that we can think we're fighting on God's side sometimes. But Satan is so tricky that... We can say, I'm fighting on the Lord's side when we're really fighting against God sometimes in our own lives. And the greatest analogy of this is the Pharisees. Could the Pharisees be any more 
you know, they said, we're the separate ones. That's what it means to be a Pharisee. We're the great ones. We, we are going to uphold God's word. And they crucify the Messiah. That's sobering, isn't it? We need to be aware and not be unaware of, of Satan's schemes. Um, so this is my church. And, you know, it's not like saying, this is my book club. This is my book club. Or this is my fraternity or sorority, right? Or this is my basketball team. You know, these are, are places and affiliations and groups that do mean a lot and have a lot of memories. You know, Tim Conley was part of a fraternity, you know, and, and man, you, you talk to him about the fraternity and he'll tell you about all the different traditions and things. And, you know, he brought me through his fraternity when, when, and he talked to me about this is this and this is that and this is this. But you could tell after a while Tim understood when he first became a disciple that the church is so much greater of an importance than his fraternity. And that's a, that's a brotherhood. You know, um, there are many clubs and groups and affiliations, but they have one thing in common. They're not eternal. They're not eternal. You know, I've been a part of some amazing groups, amazing things. I've I, I, I've really had a lot of fun, and it's nice to be a part of a group. It's nice to do something fun. You know, there's really important causes and things in this world. You know, civil rights is a huge, important thing in this world. You know, social justice, politics, these affect millions, billions of people. Amen? Amen. You know, building your career. You know, your, your, the organization, you know, like, if you, if you ask... Jesse about IDEX or, or, or Sarah about, they'll tell you about IDEX, Sarah about IDEX. You go in there, man, and they got their identity. They have their own gym in IDEX. They have their sushi maker that comes in at IDEX, and he makes sushi for you. And, and they have these awesome salads that are just freshly made, and you can add, I want bacon in it, I want chicken in it, arugula, in, and they'll make it for you. And it's just, there's a great morale at IDEX. But it's not eternal. That building is going to fade. That organization is going to fade. I hope not very close, you know, hopefully hundreds of years from now, amen? But the truth is, there's going to be someone else who beats out Idex and figures out, you know, pet animal tests, you know? And... There's going to be other civil rights movements and other political ideas. There's going to be other ways of doing education. They're going, they're all good things, but they all pass away in a flash. The church is the only thing that the gates of Hades will not overcome. It's the only thing, the Bible says, the kingdom will endure forever. But it's easily, we're easily distracted, aren't we? We're easily distracted as people. And for generations and generations, what has God been trying to do? Stop worshiping the idols. Prioritize me. So it might go well with you. You know, 2 Corinthians 4.18, you can just write that down. It says, Paul says, so we fix our eyes, not in what is seen, but in what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, church, but what is unseen is eternal. That's the hard part of the church. There are unseen things that you don't see all the time. Sometimes, if we look with our eyes 
and not our spiritual eyes, we can be discouraged. If we look with our just physical eyes and not our spiritual eyes, we see temporary things instead of eternal things. See, the church is the only thing that's eternal on this earth. Everything will pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. I've heard someone say there's, you know, three things that, that are eternal. God, his word, and souls. And as I did this study of God's word, I realized that that's wrong. You're like, what do you mean that's wrong? God is eternal, amen? His word is eternal. But souls are not eternal. Not every soul is eternal. The Bible says that be afraid of the one who can kill your body and soul in hell. The second death we talked about last week. It is a privilege to be eternal. It is a it, it is a, a, a act of God's grace to be eternal. You know, if God could create us out of nothing, He has the ability to have us not exist anymore, too. And so, you know, the view of hell, this is not the aspect and, and time for that time, but I believe there is a terminal punishment. You are going to be punished. For your sins, and praise God, we have Jesus' blood to, to, to wipe away our sins. But those that have not accepted Christ will be beaten with few or many blows, and then their souls will no longer exist. I was on campus today, and I was, uh, not today, but this week, just sharing my faith. And someone said, I don't have any desire to live forever. That would be so boring. And I said, well, that's the difference between you and me. I have greater ambition than you when it comes to my life. I want to live forever, and it's not going to be boring. Is this life boring? He's like, no, it's not boring at all. I said, no eye has seen, no ear has heard what the Lord has planned for me and for you. And he just kind of looked at me. We're the ambitious ones. We want to live forever. God gives us what we want. Do you want to live forever? then you need to be a builder. If you want to live forever, you have to give careful thought to your ways. And that's the message, the title of this message. Give careful thought to your ways. Jesus said, he was asked by his brothers, why don't you go to Jerusalem, John 7? Everybody who wants to be a public figure goes into the public. And Jesus' brothers knew Judas, you know, uh, uh, you know, what is his name? James, um, Jude. These guys knew that his life was in danger. And they were kind of egging them on. Saying, why don't you go in, if you're so tough, go into the, you know, into Jerusalem. And, and Jesus answered back. He said, for you any time is right. But I'm on God's timing. And I will go to Jerusalem eventually. But it's not my time right now. He knew. He gave careful thought to his ways. You know, this world doesn't have to give careful thought to their ways. If you live in the world, you don't need to give careful thought to your ways. I think it's a good idea, <laughs> but I don't think it's a prerequisite. But if you're a disciple, you do need to give careful thought to your ways. And this is said six times, I believe, in the book of Haggai. Give careful thought to your ways. And so I thought that'd be a good title for this message. Amen? Amen. Give careful thought to your ways. Let's go to Haggai chapter 1, and we'll read in verse 1. This amazing book, amen? In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shetel, governor of Judah, and Joshua, son of Josadak, 
the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. One sentence, man. He just convicted everyone. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty? Because of my house, which remains a ruin. While each of you is busy with their own house. Therefore, because of the heavens, because of you, the heavens have withhold their due and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else in the ground produces on people and livestock and all the labor of your hands. And we'll stop right there. Whoa. This... I read this, and I feel like it's 20th century right now. Haggai could preach this right now in America. It's one of the most powerful passages. It's so relevant to us. These are God's people, by the way. These aren't people that need to give me a verdict. These are God's people. And before you dismiss yourself out of this chapter in the Bible, I want to remind you of something. These people came from far and wide. They were captives and they gave up their life so that they could be a part of the kingdom of God in Jerusalem. They were exiles. They were the remnant people of God. These were people that really were striving to prioritize God. You know, I was even thinking, wait a second, should I preach this to a group that's committed? And then I thought, yes. This is, a, this is not for the non-Christians. This is for the Christians. Amen. Amen, you know, for those that need it, hear it. We all need to prioritize. But this is for the Christians because the Christian or the people of God back then can easily be distracted. You know, as you look at this book, this is Haggai was a prophet alongside of Zechariah who were encouraging the return of the exiles to rebuild the temple. Haggai had witnessed the destruction of Solomon's temple, and I believe he was seven years old at this time. Preaching the word at 70, you know, and, and he changed it. He saw also the temple did get rebuilt. The foundations were built. This is kind of intense too. The foundations were built under um, Ezra, and then the Samaritans came after two years and halted the work because they were f- afraid of the political and powerful you know, thing the temple was going to build. And what that meant spiritually, you know, the Samaritans were people that were kind of half Jewish, half, you know, the other nations. And if they had a temple, then this was going to be the central part of worship. And they didn't want that. They, so they, they, 
they talked bad, they persecuted the Jewish people as they were building the temple. And, and the foundation was the only thing that was built. And so you had the slab of rock and nothing else. Pretty sad looking, right? The temple of the living God. The, from Solomon's temple to a foundational piece of rock. And if you've ever seen foundation of a house, it's not inspiring. It's pretty discouraging. Now, it's the hardest part, amen? It is the most important part, but it's not flashy. It doesn't look good at all. But then, but the thing that's very encouraging about foundation, once you build that foundation, bam, the house can go up pretty quick. And amen, the house did come up pretty quick. These people repented, they got undistracted, and they went after building the temple. And in a matter of four years, the whole temple was built. Pretty awesome, huh? Darius, uh, the, the king of Persia, was interested in the religions of his empire and provided what the people needed and sheltered them from the persecution. And so, there were, and, and so Darius was like, build, build. Here's the timber, everything else. And the disciples or the people back then were like, well, it's not your time to build. I got to figure out a couple things. In my life, I gotta get, let's get established first. I gotta finish my own house before I finish God's house. I need to do X, Y, and Z. I need to figure out my, I need to save some money. I need to harvest. I don't have enough food. I need to, to do this. I need a bigger wage. I need to establish myself before we start building. And obviously, this upset God mightily. You know what I realize? That it's not so much Satan or this world that stops us from building God's church. It's you and I. We're the ones that get distracted. We're the ones that hinder the church to be built the most. I'm the one that hinders the building of God's kingdom. That's hard, right? That's hard to... to to face. <laughs> Who's stopping us from building the church? Who's persecuting us? We, have, we, we are a non-profit organization. We don't get taxed by the government. Go ahead and build the church. Bring as many people to God as possible. No one's stopping us. Is anyone coming and persecuting us? Are we in the public? This is just like us, guys. We can build the church anytime we want. But what happens? We busy ourselves with things. This is going to be a really short sermon, but hopefully it will last in a, in a great way into this week for you. Give careful thought to your ways is my first point. Give careful thought to your ways. You know, you think about America. And doesn't it sound like America? You, we earn more than we ever had before, but we're more in debt. Talk about holes with purses. We need more and more clothes. I mean, how many goodwill, since, you know, people, goodwill is doing really well right now because we buy clothes and then we get rid of it. And some of you benefit from goodwill, amen? I do. Amen. People drink and they can't stop drinking, but they don't have their fill. And I'm not talking about just alcohol. I'm talking about all different things. We're never... We never quench our thirst. 
We have more food in this country than ever. We are the 12th most obese country in the world. We eat but never have our fill. You know, we, we jump around planting and focus on so many different things other than building up God's house. Only to harvest so little. There's so many focuses, right? I mean, just think about the, how many emails you get, the spam, all the things that come at you every single day, the commercials, the things that try to distract you. You should get into this. You should get into this. You should get into this. This is cool. This is cool. I have a, there's a minister that I know that is so into Clash of Clans that he made a vow to the Lord. I'm not going to do Clash of Clans until I pray to the Lord. Now, I, I really appreciate that brother, and it's working for him. But isn't it sad that we need to make vows like that to the Lord? Lord, I'm not going to get my clan going with that until I get my prayer going. But isn't it a pull? Isn't it real? Isn't that so real? We plant just these stupid things. We put all our time. You know, when I think about planting, I think about time. Where do you put most of your time, church? Where do you put most of your focus, church? Are we a focused church? Are we focused on building God's house? Are you focused? Totally focused on building God's church. It's not easy. It's not easy. You know, it says, um, you, you're, it, it says in verse... Um, nine, because of my house remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Busy. We're busy. Aren't we busy? We're busy. Some of our brothers and sisters are too busy to be here. They're too busy. I want to encourage you to be a Haggai in their life. In our family groups, we need Haggai's. We need to open our Bibles, look at Haggai and go, are you too busy to build God's house? How's it going for you in your life? You know, it's crazy. It's usually these are the people that aren't getting blessed. I'm just keeping it real. God blesses the builder. He doesn't bless the one that just focuses on themselves. It's more blessed to give than to receive. We need to figure out if we're going to be about building God's house. And I'm not here to be down on us. I'm convicted myself. I need to be totally focused on building God's kingdom, not building my own house. You know, C.S. Lewis said, put first things first and second things are thrown in. Put second things first and you lose both first and second things. See, I don't think we're busy with like, Hey, all these sinful things. We're busy with the second things. Yeah. And those second things are good things. Yeah. And things we actually do need to be focused on. Or think about at least. But they can't be the first thing. Yeah. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Yeah. We're just going to look at Haggai 1 today. We're going to do Haggai 2 next week. I think Haggai 1's got enough, amen? Haggai, man. His name means festival. 
kind of cool. Matthew chapter 6. We know this passage. This is a promise from the living God. A promise from the living God. Matthew 6, 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Easier said than done. <laughs> what you eat or drink or about your body, what you wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, reap, or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you much more valuable than they? Can any of you worry at a single hour to his life? Man, I would really have a lot of hours in my life if worrying helped that out. And why do you worry about clothes? Interesting, clothes. Eating. Drinking. This is the same passage, isn't it? Does anything change for God's people? See how the flowers of the fields grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you not even Solomon, all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. See, God's not fooled that you need things. But the question is, are you trying to be God? Or you let God be God? You know, we're not alone in this world. God is going to provide for us. Just like he provides for the flowers and the birds. You know, as we, as we think about and as we end here, I want you to think about something for a second. Is every person in the church seeking God's kingdom first? That's the call. That's the command of Jesus. Are we holding that standard to one another? Do we accept not seeking the kingdom first in our own lives and other people's lives. We have a lot of excuses, don't we? What's one of the greatest excuses? It's really good. I have to work. Man, that's a good excuse. What are you supposed to say to that? Well, if you don't work, you don't eat. And I'm not saying there are times when you do have to work. Amen? But whatever happened to standing up to your boss and saying, I'm not going to... To, to every Wednesday thing you say, I have to go to midweek. Yeah. I have something in, with my church I'm doing. Whatever happened to that? Whatever happened to that? I remember doing that. I remember people quitting their jobs because they couldn't come on Sunday. Quitting their jobs. And not having a job to set, you know, back up plan. They quit their jobs. And then the disciples helped them if they needed help. Because spiritual food is more important than physical food. Quit your job, brother. Quit your job, sister. It's not working. You're not doing well spiritually. We've gotten lukewarm in our discipleship. We have. And I'm to blame. You know what I thought? Well, we have a lot of young Christians. And it's hard. And life is hard. It's not easy. That's excuse making. What would the living God say? 
<laughs> well, we already heard what he had to say through Haggai. We need to help each other to prioritize God first. Because when we do that, we have more blessings. Second and first things come into our life. Amen? I want to inspire you. If, if you know a brother or sister that's not seeking God's kingdom first, I want you to have a conversation this week with them. And say, okay, what's going on? What's going on? It, I'm so busy, it's hard for me to get the family group. And I'm so busy, it's hard for me to do Bible talk or midweek. Seek the kingdom first, and all these things will be given to you as well. And I'm talking to people that are doing this, guys. You guys are doing this. I'm preaching to the choir. Not all of us are doing it every time, though. And I want to encourage us, we need to love the people that we call brother and sister. Because guess what? Their purses are empty. They're eating, but they're never getting their full. They're, they live frustrated lives. You know, um, there's people I know that say, you know, I'll just stay home. And, and, and we have this house church thing going on. There's a house church movement going on, right? You know about it, the house church movement. And it's, it's, it's true. There's biblical precedent for house church. Amen? I'm not saying anything wrong with that. But one thing I have a problem with, as they're sitting in their home with their jammies and their slippers, not coming to church. This is the way the first century did it, man. This is awesome. When was the last time you converted anyone in your little house church? I know people that just do house church. They haven't converted one person in 10 years, man. That house church is not being the church. It's just your house. This country doesn't think they need church. This is one of the least churched places in Maine. I mean, in, in the country, right? The second most least church. And I was talking to someone else. It's going to become the first. Because we have a lot of older people in this place. They want to call it staycation land. They're trying to keep the young people here. Amen. Paying off their loans, doing everything they can. I hope that changes. But as these older people who go to church every Sunday die off, it's going to become the least church state. I'm here to change that. I hope you're here to change that. Amen. I just picture these people with their jammies and slippers being lazy in the mission field. It's not an excuse to be lazy. Now, if they got their family group growing, their, their house church growing, then amen. I want to hear from them. But most of the time, they're stinking it out. There's no fruit. And I want you to start challenging people. We need to be prophets. Haggai's. You know, um, you're like, Glenn's mad today. <laughs> I'm not mad. But I want to encourage you, just from my own life, what Seeking the Kingdom First has done in my life. I remember I was working at MBNA. I was selling credit cards on, you know, on, on the phone. And I was really good at it. And uh, horns started coming out of my head. So I didn't love this job, but you know, it paid really well. And it was flexible, pretty much flexible. But the only thing that happened is you had to come into work a certain amount of hours every week. So I'd come, 
and sell all these credit cards and get these bonuses and then just leave. And it was like the highest paying job I've ever had, you know. And they were like, Glenn, you should be a manager. You're really good at this. And I wouldn't do the traditional, hello, this is I was like, how'd it go? How's it going in Idaho? What? Hi, I'm Glenn. How's it going in Idaho? It's going good in Idaho. And you start talking to them and then sweet talking. And then I'd sell them the credit card. I used my gifts for the wrong things. But I remember I got selected to go to Hope Youth Corps to go to Moscow and be a part of this incredible experience. Two weeks as a college student going and serving the orphans. And my boss was like, no, you're not. We need you here. You're one of our best salesmen. You can only take one week off. You can't take two weeks off. So you're going to have to decide. The orphans, he's literally said this. The orphans are my job. It was just funny. I was like, did you just say that out of your mouth? <laughs> and I said, what do you think I'm going to say? You're going to say the orphans. I'm like, I quit then. I quit. And it was awesome. I loved quitting. Number one, because I was feeling so guilty. I was helping the purses, just un you know, the purses, so many purses. I was helping the national debt in an incredible way. Talking to this girl, wait a second, I have a credit limit of $10,000? With no APR for six months? Yes. Horns. <laughs> so it wasn't a hard decision, amen? But it was financially a hard decision because I had no money. And I'd never, I didn't get another job the whole summer. And so all the money that I saved up kind of went away. And uh, my dad's not, you know, I didn't have any much money in my household. So this was amazing. Went to Moscow, had the most incredible experience. That's when I dreamed to become, go into the ministry. And it was crazy because I was in Moscow. I was like crying. I was like, this is amazing. I can't wait to go back home. And one of the brothers was like, what do you mean go back home? Well, we've been here for two weeks. This has been amazing. No, we're going to Paris, France for this conference, the KCC. I was like, say what now? I don't have Paris tickets. Well, they just last minute decided that everyone in this youth corps is going to Paris, France. And I was, I was one year old disciple. I was like, I love this church. <laughs> this church is incredible. So we went to Paris, and that's where first date with Danielle happened. Talk about. Imagine if I was like, hello, this is Glenn Bertrose. Uh, I'm here from MBNA. Talk about uh, a decision that changed my life. It's changed my life forever. That's what Seeking the Kingdom First does, guys. And somehow, some way, I came out of school with no college debt. No plan. I mean, terrible planning. But God blesses the builder. Amen. He does bless the builder. If you're a builder, he will bless you. You know, I remember another time where um, we were, it was super challenging um, in, in the church, and there was some things going on, and um, my discipleship partner, didn't, he didn't go to church anymore. And another discipleship partner didn't go to church anymore either, and I was in Albania. And we just kept preaching the word. 
And we, they changed bank accounts, so we didn't get paid for a couple of months, three months. And we kept preaching the word. And they were like, do you want to come back home? I said, no, I don't want to come back home. And then I remember the administrator. She was this little woman named Louisa. She's like, bro, how much you need, bro? It's like, no, I don't want to take the churches. I don't want, you need, you need, you need some food. So she just part, she gave us money for food. And this third world country that we were supposed to be supporting paid so that we could eat. And I'll never forget how powerful that was. Because God always blesses the builder. You know, what does it say? I've never seen God's people go hungry. I've never seen God's people in want and need. I want to encourage you to think about your ways. To think about your ways. And is your heart all in with building God's kingdom? I know it's not easy. Because you've got to think about your life. And then you've got to think about the church that's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy. If it was easy, wouldn't everyone be doing it? It's a lot easier to build my panel houses. I spent half the day trying to do this light. I was maybe more than that. I'm not good with my hands. And I was doing this outside light, you know? And man, I like wasted my day. I wasted my life trying to put this light down. And the truth is, it's a rat race, isn't it? Rat race. But I want to encourage you. What's one decision you can make today to be a builder? Maybe it's, you know what? I'm going to be about trying to get into the Bible study with someone. I want to be in a Bible study with someone. I sometimes get bothered. I don't know if you do, but I'm like, I need to, I, I need to study the Bible with someone. <coughs> I need it. I need it. Sometimes I've gone up to people, will you study the Bible with someone? I need you to study the Bible. What do you mean you need me? I just need to be reminded how awesome the gospel message is. Will you do that with me? Most people were like, yeah. I might leave with that this week. Will you study? Yeah, sure, I'll do you a favor. Thanks, man. But all of us, what's one decision you can make? Maybe it's you're going to talk to another disciple and share this message with them. Maybe it's I'm going to stop being lazy in the morning and read my Bible and pray for the church. Maybe it's I'm going to really pray about this church growing. I'm going to put prayer. I'm going to pray. There's a couple people in this room that are praying for every single member. Daily, weekly, it's inspiring and encouraging. We build the church. You know, I'm going to just end with saying one last thing. Next week we'll talk about Haggai chapter 2. And Haggai chapter 2, the second point is, now is the time to build God's house. I don't want you to think too much about your ways and have what they call, you know, paralysis of analysis. There's so many ways I can think about. So many things that I can change. I feel overwhelmed, Glenn. 
Yes, that is overwhelming. It, this is an overwhelming message. Try building a temple when you just moved from another country. That's a hard thing to be asked. But what does God say? I am with you. That's the one thing he says is I am with you. And so I want to encourage you to think about that. Are you building God's house? Or are you thinking about your own house? What's that going to mean for you? What's that going to mean for me? Let's have some conversations. Let's have some conversations with God. And I believe God will bless us, the builders. Amen.